As we turn our attention to the Word of God, I ask you to turn with me to the book of 2 Kings chapter 7. We'll read a few verses of Scripture here. 2 Kings chapter 7. Amen. So good to be together with you all here in the presence of the Lord for worship. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'd like to thank and praise God because we had no one go to the hospital Friday night. <laughs> there is always that possibility when you go snow tubing. But I uh, understand it was a good time and everything worked in our favor except for the really long lines, the really long, long lines. I think they were longer than they've ever been when we've been there. But uh, always thankful for opportunities of fellowship. 2 Kings chapter 7, as some are still turning there, uh, my wife and I normally would be at the snow tubing event each year, uh, but we were asked to teach a marriage seminar and that was a first for us. I guess that's where we're at in our lives. We've been married long enough. They think, hey, whatever's working for you, maybe you can share with us. But uh, it, was, it was an honor to be in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, about five-hour drive straight north. A uh, very scenic drive, actually. I would love to take that drive in the fall. It was very hilly and filled with trees. But anyhow, not to get all romantic on you. Although, just a reminder, all husbands in the house, tomorrow is Valentine's Day. Kids, help your dad out. 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1, Then Elisha, who is the prophet, said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Say, this is going to be good. It's going to be good. The word of the Lord is going to come forth. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow, about this time, <laughs> I love the accuracy. Shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, two measures of barley for a shekel, in the gate of Samaria? Then a lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, behold, this is what the prophet said back to him, behold, you'll see it with your eyes, but you ain't going to taste not one crumb. Wow. The prophecy goes forth that there will be plenty, and the man who was near the king said, there's no way. If there was windows made in heaven, this would never happen. All right, you'll see it with your eyes, but you won't taste it. We've got to be persuaded of his promises. There is power when one is persuaded of the promises of God. Let us pray. Father, we love you, and we thank you for your spirit that has moved in our midst. And I believe that your spirit falling and moving in this place was, it was a response. It was a result of a people that gathered together to, today in this place to worship you. 
to sing. And we're so thankful, Lord, for the singers and musicians and audiovisual lighting team, Lord, that all work together to bring to you an excellent sacrifice and lead this assembly in worship. Your spirit has fallen. You're moving in this place. I pray now that your word will go forth. I pray in Jesus' name that each and every heart, under the sound of my voice, that they will open up themselves and hear the word of the Lord and mix their faith with the word of God as it goes forth. We ask this all in Jesus' name. We give you glory and honor and praise. Everybody say amen. Amen. Shake hands with someone before you're seated and be, tell them be persuaded of his promises. Be persuaded of his promises. God bless you. You may be seated. Samaria was in a bad spot. The city of Samaria was in a terribly bad place. They had been surrounded by the enemy and nothing was going out and nothing was coming in. There was a great famine in the city, so much so that people were selling a donkey's head for 80 pieces of silver. They were starving to death. It got so bad that there were two mothers of infant children that conspired together and said, listen, today we'll boil my baby and eat my baby for dinner, and tomorrow we'll boil and eat yours. That kind of killed the room, didn't it? That's where they were at. Now, they were at a place that they had been warned that they would get to if they didn't follow the word of God. And they allowed themselves to be influenced by all sorts of pagan practices and religions and whatnot. And, and here they are in a place where they are left to the hand of their enemy, surrounded by them, starving to death. One woman cries out to the king who was on the wall and said, King, help! Help me. He said, I, what can I help you from? I've got nothing. I've got nothing to give you. I've got nothing in my hands, nothing in my barn. I have nothing to help you with. But then the prophet shows up. And the prophet, he surmises a situation and he gives this word from the Lord. That about this time tomorrow, I know what a donkey's head is going for now, but about this time tomorrow, you'll have barley, you'll have grain in abundance that you'll just be paying pennies on the dollar. You'll, you'll have more than enough to share and to have some and to keep back some. The situation had gotten so bleak and so desperate that the king's advisor had been infected in a way that I am here to preach about today. He had been infected with something in his spirit that when the word of the Lord went forth, he didn't believe it. He said, if God, if God had windows in heaven, how would this even be? It's impossible. What you're predicting, what you're saying, what you're prophesying, 
It's never going to come to pass. The prophet says, okay, you'll see it, but you won't even taste it. Cynical. Cynical. You, you might refer to it as, as, as pessimistic or skeptical or distrustful, suspicious. It's even synonymous with sarcastic. Life can sometimes, like it did on this man, have this effect on us. Where you and I, we stop trusting people. The idea of giving someone the benefit of the doubt is not in our minds whatsoever anymore. And when a report of something miraculous does reach us, we almost instantly refute it in our minds. Maybe not with our voices, but in our minds, we somehow explain it away. Testimonies of somebody's life being radically transformed by the power of God has either become something of our parents' generation or it was just a result of someone's own willpower that they could have done with or without the Lord. And when working with people, now we have gotten to the place where we almost have come to expect the worst instead of the best from people. It has gotten so deep into our spirit that we rarely believe that we ourselves can do anything that is exceptional or above or out of the ordinary. And we settle into this automated state of being without even realizing it. And we are, we are marching through life on autopilot, just coasting through life. And we tell ourselves certain things to try to justify ourselves or help ourselves feel better about where we're at mentally. And we say things like this, well, at least I'm consistent. And when someone says something that is inspired by faith, you might say something like this, I'm just being realistic. You know, some of us, we live in a place called reality. You ought to visit it sometime. When we hear about somebody, one of our brothers or sisters in Christ, falling into sin, falling to temptation, we, we, we say something like this, well, I'm not, I'm not surprised. We hear about a miracle or report of a testimony, and, and we ask, now, what really happened? Come on, give me, give me the actual details. I, I know what you like to tell everybody from the pulpit, but tell me about what really happened. And as an individual with this kind of cynical outlook on life, it can be detrimental. It can be detrimental to our relationships, just to our peer-to-peer, family-to-family, or church-family relationships. It will, it will either cause people to simply not want to be around us, because every time they're around you, you're negative. Every time they're around you, you're talking about something critical. Or you'll have people that will join the, that critical attitude click where they, they will join with you in, in kind of looking at things in a cynical and even a sarcastic way. And, 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 and then it affects our self-esteem. It affects how we even think or see ourselves. And, and we begin to believe, well, I'm nothing special. I've seen it way too many times. It frustrates me as a pastor where I see people that they are on the edge of a place of success they've never been before. And it's like they sabotage themselves. 
They set themselves up for failure. It's as they, they, they don't want to succeed. So they set themselves up for failure and say, well, I'm nothing special. And they begin to set the bar so low, lower and lower in their life. And, and really, as one person once said, the greatest danger for most of us is not that we set the bar too high and we miss it, but we aim so low and we reach it. And I do not believe that it is the will of God for, uh, for us to live in this kind of state of mind or being where we set the bar so low and we don't strive for the deeper things of God and the greater things in Revelation, but we settle down for setting the bar so low that it's just it's easy to attain. Most importantly, we find that our faith in God and His great desire to work in our life is ultimately impacted and He wants to work through us. I'm here to preach to someone today, and I've said this recently. I'm here to preach to someone today that God is not satisfied with you merely being saved. God's ultimate plan for you is to be a blessing. It's just the same as it was with Abraham. He said, Abraham, if you'd obey me, if you come out from your family and you'll obey me and come into a covenant with me, I will bless all the nations of the world through you. And I'm here to tell you, you are an extension. And children of Abraham, through faith, God wants to bless the city of Rock Island. God wants to bless the Quad Cities. He wants to bless Illinois and Iowa and the rest of the world. He wants this world to see this church come alive in more than mere salvation. But as soldiers of Jesus Christ that are marching victoriously through this world, someone clap your hands if you believe it right now. I believe it. Thank you, Jesus. You see, God wants to work in you, and God wants to make of you a masterpiece. But even more than that, he wants to work through you, and he wants to bring a masterful work in someone else's life through you. As a church, the refuge, we cannot afford to have this mentality prevalent among us. I know that we've kind of been riding a wave, but I feel like the wave is starting to subside, and if we're not careful, we're going to slip into maintenance mode again. I know we've been riding a wave of having this new building and there's excitement and there's energy and there's guests that are coming to church but hear me right now we cannot allow ourselves to slide out of the momentum that God has built in this church family not now not here not ever we got to believe that we are bound and destined to be effective in the kingdom of God and, and this, this comes to pass when we are united together in faith, that when we join together, two and three of us each joining together, believing God can and he will do great and wonderful things. Believe it. Have faith. Believe that God is able. Cynicism is not only dangerous in church, it's contagious. And that's why I've come to face it. I've come to preach against it. We cannot allow cynicism or skepticism to crawl into the spaces of our souls because it's dangerous, it's contagious, because misery loves. I have witnessed this very thing. All it takes is one. All it takes is one. It could be one in the youth group. Youth group is on fire. Youth group is excited about something. Youth group is excited about Friday night youth. And then one, one young person says, 
I don't even want to go. And what happens? The person beside them, well, I guess I don't want to go either. Yeah, it's dumb. The last one was dumb. This one was probably dumb. And isn't that a crying shame? That is so dumb. <laughs> that attitude stinks. I'm not just talking about our young people. I love our young people. But that's just, uh, that's just a case in point. Cross the board. We see, you, you know, it's like Brother Walker, he got up here and with faith he said, man, I, I walked into this place and I heard the baptistry warming up and that just stirred faith in my soul. And I believe, you know what, maybe today we're going to have someone be baptized in the name of Jesus. And you could feel the faith rise in this room. But someone's like, eh, doubt it. We call people forward to be prayed for, and God is able to heal. And, and, and listen, this is especially, especially important to address inside the hearts of people that have been born again. You are, you are a member of the church, and every member impacts and affects the others. We are a body. And if, this, if my right hand was numb and lifeless and I couldn't use it, it would impact how the rest of my body functioned as a whole. And listen, when you come together, it is, it, is, it is your privilege, but yet it is also your obligation to say, I am here to worship. I am here to mix my faith with the word of God. I am here to be blessed and to be a blessing. I'm here to see what God can do and what God will do. I'm not here to spoil the spirit of the room. No, but I've come to say, what will the Lord do in this place today oh yes I've seen it I, I, I'm, I've been so frustrated by it I had the privilege of praying with people in the altar and I've seen it in the altar with a powerful altar service and someone's right on the edge of a breakthrough and someone that hasn't been plugged in all service long someone that's been critical of every song that's been sung well they're singing it too long and the song is too loud and they sang this song two weeks ago and, and you're being critical of the preaching well it sounds like he's not prepared and what is he even preaching I'm not I don't even understand what he's preaching here he is again and you haven't been plugged in all service long and now someone is up here they're on the edge of a breakthrough people are worshiping and praying around them and praying for them and then you want to come and check it out and I've seen it too many times. Someone hasn't been plugged in all service long with a critical stinking thinking. They come up and check it out. And you could feel, you could feel the spirit shift and move where all of a sudden what was filled with faith is now subdued and submitted to that critical spirit of sarcasm and cynicism. My friend, as a church family, we ought to stand and rise against that and say, listen, not in this house, not in my house, not today, not ever. We need to inspire faith. We need to build faith because the Lord is in this place. And somebody say, anything is possible. Oh, I wish you would believe it and say it with me. Anything is possible. Anything.
all things are possible to him that believeth. Are you a believer today? I said, are you a believer today that it's promised by Jesus himself? You shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. You shall speak with new tongues. You'll cast out uncleans. I said, are you a believer today? Clap your hands if you are and shout yes. God, praise God. We've got to rise above it. We've got to have that spirit of Joshua and Caleb that were of another spirit that rose in the face of the evil report, the negative report that says we can't take the land. We're like grasshoppers in our own sight compared to those giants. They've got walled cities. There's no way that we can overcome that. There's no way that we can have victory. There's no way that we can have revival in our middle schools and our high schools. But the devil is a liar. We can't have Project 7 Bible clubs. We can't and fill up this sanctuary, not just with adults, but young people. We can see our teenagers in our cities receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and be baptized in the name of Jesus. We can see those waters troubled with people that have their sins washed away in the name of Jesus. Oh, I know, I know that it feels like we've been in a drought. And I don't know the last time that someone has received the gift of the Holy Ghost in one of our services. But I would that the Spirit of the Lord come upon someone today. Thus saith the Lord God, about this time tomorrow, we're going to see revival like we've always dreamed of. We're going to see souls born again into the kingdom of God. We're going to see the prodigals come back home. And if you dare stay stand and say, oh, how can this be? If they would make windows of heaven. Listen, if you want to have that critical spirit, you'll see it, but you won't taste of it. But there's some people here in this room, we will taste and we will see that the Lord is good. Yes. He wants you to have joy. Someone say joy. He wants you to have joy. And there is a judgment against those who desire to proceed without joy. Deuteronomy 28, verse 47 says, Because you serve not the Lord God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things, therefore shall you serve your enemies, which the Lord shall send against you in hunger and in thirst and in nakedness and so on and so forth. He says, because you didn't serve with joy. You had so much. You had so many things to be glad about, to be joyful over, but yet you chose. You chose to be ungrateful. You chose to be unthankful. I wish someone would choose an attitude of gratitude today. I know it's not Thanksgiving. I know we're not coming up on Thanksgiving Day, but I wonder if somebody in this in this Sunday of February can stand and say I will be grateful because God has been better to me than I've been to myself he's been so good to me he's loaded me every day with blessings his mercy was new this morning his grace is sufficient his peace passes all understanding his love is perfect and it cast out all fear oh someone clap your hands if you're thankful for the blessings of the Lord that have been bestowed upon your life Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Say, Pastor Brown, what are you doing? You're just trying to hype us up. Well, what's wrong with that? Would you rather me get up here and talk to you about the molly grubs and all the things that are going wrong? Let me tell you something. I know about 
plenty that's going wrong here at the Refuge Church. If anybody's in the know about things going wrong at the Refuge Church, it's this guy. But you know what? I've got to make a choice. When I step up to this pulpit, I'm going to bring the word of the Lord. And it's time that somebody rise up out of this world that is saturating you with cynicism and skepticism and doubt and say, that is not of the Lord. That's an evil report. But look what the Lord has done. I say he might not have healed me yet, but I still have a yet to hold on to. He might not have sent revival yet yet, but it doesn't mean it's not coming. Woo! Somebody shout hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I said revival. It's here. It's coming. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's going to be opportunities that you have when you go out to eat after this service. There's going to be opportunities that open up to you when you go to work tomorrow morning. There's going to be opportunities when you go to school tomorrow and on Tuesday that people are going to ask you questions. And don't you dare be surprised and don't you shrug it off and be embarrassed about this gospel which is the only saving gospel of Jesus Christ given to humanity. Somebody step up and step into the revival that God has for the refuge church. Listen to me. Listen to me. It is the will of God. You're going to fill up your row. You're going to have visitors with you every service. It's going to be an oddity when you don't have guests with you. It's, it's not a time to backslide. Hear me now. It's not a time to walk away from truth. It's not a time to recoil and be hesitant about obeying the word of the Lord, stand up and obey the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. It's time for revival. It's time to see miracles, signs, and wonders. Today is that day. Woo, hallelujah, hallelujah. Someone has to be persuaded. Be persuaded of it. He wants you and I to be filled with faith, filled with expectancy. Hear it from the book of Daniel 11, verse 32. Such as do wickedly against the covenant shall be corrupt by their flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and shall do exploits. Does anybody know the Lord here today? He wants you to have love. He wants you to have a love for God. He wants you to have a love for the things of God. He wants you to have a love for the family of God. He preach right now. He wants you to love your brothers and sisters in Christ that are sitting in the same room you are right now. They might not look like you, talk like you, eat the same things as you or live in your same neighborhood. But he wants to develop in this family a love one for another. And when the love of God is prevalent and prevails inside of a church family, then the power of God shows up. Oh, I feel unity coming up inside of this room. And the Lord is pleased when his brothers and his sisters are unified. His children are unified. We've got to have a love for the things of God, a love for souls. Let me just say this, this ought to be a love that exceeds the love that we have for anything that this world has to offer, for the temporary. It's all going to burn up. Just got to put it plain sometimes. It's all going to burn up. It's all going to burn up. And you know what? That may happen sooner than later. I don't know when the coming of the Lord is going to take place. 
I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't, I, I, I don't claim to know what next week holds. I don't know what this, I don't know what our country, I don't know what, what our planet is going to look like between now and next Sunday. I don't know. I can tell you what the scripture says, but I really don't know what things are going to look like. And really, are you going to invest so much energy and so much time and so many resources into things that will burn up? What, what happens? What happens when you lose your job? What happens when you lose your security? What happens when you lose your health? What are you going to fall back to? Someone has to realize that the only only thing that's eternal and lasting is your relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's time that you and I invest more into that. And we love those things. We love those things. Be persuaded. Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, for which cause I offer also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. I'm persuaded. I know there's things coming against me. I know that I'm facing hardship. But listen, I'm not ashamed. I'm not going to be let down. I know in whom I put my trust in, who I've committed my life to. He goes on in Romans chapter 15 and verse 14. He says, I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that you are also full of. If you can, pull that verse up, brother. Romans 15, 14. I feel a pause in my spirit. See if he could pull it up. Romans chapter 15, verse 14. I want to make sure that you hear this clearly. When Paul writes and he says, I myself also am persuaded of you that ye are also full of goodness. You're filled with all knowledge and you're able also to admonish one another. Up to this point, I've been trying to convince you and persuade you that God's able. Revival's on the way. Things are getting ready to happen. But you know what else we need to be persuaded of? Is this kind of stuff right here. That the Jesus in you is just as good as the Jesus in me. That God has goodness in you, that he's got knowledge in you, that you're able to instruct others also, that there is something good that's going to come from your life. I was having some recent conversations here recently about the struggle of trying to want the best for people and, and they come short of it and trying to work with them for the best for their lives and they come short of it and it's a frustration and if we're not careful, we'll allow ourselves to think the worst of people. But Paul says, I think the best of you. I said, I think the best of you. God loves you so much. He's got a plan for your life. He knows where you're at. He's got goodness and he's got knowledge for you. He wants to use you to be a blessing to others. Look at your neighbor and say, you're good. Come on, look back at him and say, you're good. Now, of course, you can't be good without. You know why we got a problem? When we need prayer and we get prayed for by anybody but the pastor. You know why we got a problem? Because we don't believe that the Jesus in those people is as big as the Jesus that's in pastor. Can I tell you that this power is not just for pastors? 
Can I tell you that the power to lay hands on the sick and see them recover is not just on pastors? I understand there's a place, there's a time for the elders to pray for the sick among the church, but even that is talking about leadership. So whether it's the youth pastor, the assistant pastor, or our children's ministry director, we've got leaders, we've got board members, we've got people that even don't have positions, but they are leaders among us and pillars in this church. Hey, if they lay hands on me, I can believe that God hears their prayers and I can be made whole. Praise God. My man Jadavius, you know how to pray, man. I listened to you pray. I took a break from my prayers and I just listened in on your prayers. He knows how to pray. God filled him with the Holy Ghost. He's been baptized in the name of Jesus. He is a covenant child of God. I know she's wearing a hoodie right now, but Sister Linda, you're a covenant child of God. You've been grafted into the body of Christ. And I know there might be some times that our kids might be doing anything but paying attention to the word of God. I see all the parents right now like, pay attention, quick, quick. Pastor's about to call on you. But listen, we've got to start seeing the goodness of God in the face of our brothers and our sisters in Christ. And sometimes that goodness might be covered up with a lot of distraction and discouragement and pain and bitterness, but I wonder if there could be a church family that could start seeing things like Jesus sees things that we see beyond the facade, beyond the mask, beyond the cover-up, and say, listen, I see good in you. I see something that only Jesus can see, and he has let me see it too. He loves you. You are a prized possession of the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Take somebody by the hand every once in a while and say, pray for me because I know God hears your prayers. You know what will happen? It will become infectious in a positive way where we start realizing, hey, this is the body and the spirit is moving and the blood still applies and the name is able to be used, whether it's through my mouth or your mouth. The name is powerful and can be spoken over my life. Oh, hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I want you to close your eyes even right now. Have your way, Lord, in this place. Have your way in this place, Lord, even right now. Something powerful, I believe, is about to happen in this room. Faith, I pray faith will be unleashed in a powerful way, in a demonstrative way, where there can be miracle signs and wonders that will be manifest among us, not just through the ministry, not through just from the platform, but I pray that all throughout this place that husbands can take hold of their wives and wives of their husbands and parents of their children and children of their parents and brothers with brothers and sisters with sisters, that there become an erupt a mighty prayer meeting in this place where we can 
and repent of our sins, where we could boldly seek the throne of God for help and grace in time of need, that people will bow their knees and surrender and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of their sins. The presence of the Lord is in this place, and it is greater than anything that this world has to offer. I know that you're still struggling with your faith because you're leaning on your own understanding, but hear the word of the Lord right now in this room. It's time to stop leaning on your understanding because if you lean on your understanding like that man in the seventh chapter of Second Kings, you will see it, but you won't taste it. But it's time that you put your faith into action and say, I may not understand it, but I believe it because it's in the word of God. It's in the word of God. It's in the word of God. If I need to be baptized and it's in the word, then I'm going to be baptized. If I need to receive the Holy Ghost and it's a promise for me, I'm going to believe it and I'm going to receive it. I may not understand how it's going to happen. I may not understand how I'm going to speak in other tongues, but it's going to happen because it's in the word. It's in the word. The doctor may have told me I've got no chance of recovery. This is a disease that I have to live with for the rest of my life, but I believe that by his stripes, I can be healed. I can be delivered. I can be set free. Right now, right now with every eye closed, every head bowed, I pray over this congregation right now that all doubt and all fear and anxiety and every spirit that opposes the work of God in this place, I command you right now to be broken off the lives and the minds of these precious people. And I'm preaching right now to someone that's half backslidden, but the spirit of the Lord is striving with you and working with you. God still has a plan. His giftings and his callings are without repentance. There's a place at an altar for you right now. There's a place in the kingdom for you right now. You can get back up and be a Sunday school teacher. You can get back up and be used of God. You can get back up and be a worshiper. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I speak against unbelief. I speak against doubt. I speak against the human reasoning that would stop you from putting your faith in Jesus Christ and his word. Hallelujah. Stop trying to figure it out. I said stop trying to figure it out. Stop trying to figure out how the Lord's going to bring abundance and just believe what the Lord has said. Thus saith the Lord, believe it, believe it, believe it, believe it. That whosoever, whosoever believes, whosoever believes, that's where life is going to flow to. Would you stand together with me in the name of Jesus Christ? In the name of Jesus Christ, I believe that we serve a Lord that is able to forgive the most heinous of sins. He's able to wash away the blackest of stains from sin in your past. He's able to heal incurable diseases. The same God I read about in Scripture is the same God that is in this place right now. And he's able to work through you. He's able to work through your brothers and sisters in Christ. Some of us here today, we need a good renewing of the Holy Ghost. You need to stir up the gift of God that is within you. Your faith has been lacking, and you know for a fact that I have preached right to you. You become cynical. You become stuck in maintenance mode, and you're doing things out of routine. You're coming to church out of routine. You're coming to the altar out of routine. It's time to break it right now and start using your faith to say, God is able. God's able to work in me, and God is able able to work through me. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Somebody yell in Jesus' name. Now clap your hands. Clap your hands like you believe it right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 
It's time to be persuaded of the promises of God. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I would like people that are persuaded of the promises of God. You are spirit-filled. You are a believer. You are persuaded. You are standing together with your pastor. And it is your desire to be used of God, not just saved by God, but used for God's kingdom. And you want to be someone that helps other people be saved and other people have breakthrough. You want to be an altar worker. You want to be someone that can pray for people and with people. And you're persuaded today of the promises that God has for your life. I want you to step out from where you're standing or sitting and make your way up here. But listen, when you come up here, I want you to face the congregation. I don't want you to face this platform. I want you to come up here as close as you can to the platform and turn around and face the congregation. I know you might feel a little awkward or distracted, and if you need to, you could close your eyes, but just begin to pray. Just begin to pray. In just a moment, I'm going to call for people to come up and be prayed for by these that have stepped forward. And I know it seems like there's just a whole bunch of people up here, and this is exceeding even my expectations. But these are people that say, Lord, I want to do more than just be saved. I want to be used as an instrument and a tool of righteousness. I believe and am persuaded of the callings and the giftings of God that could flow through me and work through my life. If you have a need in this place, I don't care what the prognosis or diagnosis is. I want you to step out of your seat. I want you to come up here. This church family is just going to begin to pray and surround everyone in this place and believe that God is going to work, that God is going to work in our midst. Why don't you step out from where you're standing, step out from where you're seating and say, Lord, I want, I need, I need a touch from God. Maybe it's something that's emotional. Maybe it's something that's spiritual. Maybe it's something that's physical. Maybe you're already up here, but you say, you know what? I need to be prayed for. Why don't you go ahead and turn around and find one of these people that have already joined you up here in the altar and find someone and say, will you pray for me? Maybe find a young person on purpose or find a child on purpose and believe that God could work through the prayers of our children and our young people just like he could work through anybody else. Now let's begin to surround people as they come forward. Let's begin to surround them. Let's pray prayers of faith right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, church. We're family. This is a family. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we want to see the goodness of God. In the land of the living, we want to see the miracle signs and wonders that we read about in Scripture poured out in this place. Will you come? Will you repent of your sins? Will you believe that God is going to birth in you a miracle that you indeed can be born again? Why don't you grab somebody by the hand? Maybe the Lord is leading you to pray with someone or lead someone to prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want for those that are not already praying with someone to lift up your hands over the empty seats in this place and begin to pray and see by faith these seats being filled. See by faith these seats being filled. See by faith this place being filled with hungry hearts and thirsty souls that are filled with the Spirit and baptized in the name of Jesus. 
Oh, hallelujah. Come on, believe. Come on, step out and believe. Step out and believe. Be persuaded of his promises today. Fix your heart and your eyes on Jesus Christ. He'll never disappoint you. He won't disappoint you. He'll always show up right on time. I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Lord God. That's it. Let's pray together. Let's pray one for another. Let's see the love of God poured out and shed abroad in our hearts. That's it. That's it. Come willingly. Come willingly. Nobody's forcing you. Come willingly and say yes. Yes to the plan of God. Yes to the word of God. Yes to the outpouring of the spirit. I want to receive the Holy Ghost. I want to be baptized in the name of Jesus. I want to experience the blessings and the favor of God. That's it. You don't have to beg for it. We're not coming to the Lord and his throne as beggars, but we're coming as heirs together with Christ Jesus, boldly before the throne of grace. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That's it. Lift up your voice. Let's believe for an outpouring of the Spirit. Let's believe for an outpouring of the miraculous. We love you, Lord. We worship.